Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. Should we have seen this coming? Buster Posey uh, apparently will announce his retirement from baseball today, leave about $22 million officially on the table. Uh-huh. Now he's 34. If he decided to play beyond that, he would not have left the Giants. That's a legacy player that you, no matter what, you keep him in your franchise, um, and he stays in San Francisco, I would imagine. So it's beyond the $22 million. You're talking $40, $50 million. He walks away from welcome to the Danny Mac show on a Thursday and with BK Brandon Kylie I'm Dan McLaughlin and so that was the big news to come out of baseball yesterday we're going to visit with Chip Carey voice of the Braves coming up hopefully and uh, we'll see if he's recovered from game six as they get ready for their parade I believe it is tomorrow in Hotlanta so uh, did this catch you by surprise hearing that Buster Posey is uh, walking away from the game it did and I, I like the way you put this maybe it shouldn't have because he did take off the 2020 season to be around his family and he is as we have heard all about a very big family man he's going out on top Dan I mean he had a really good year in 2021 if he wanted to stick around not only would the Giants have taken him they would have been happy to have him in their lineup again next year especially with the DH coming potentially it would have been excellent and he was 40% above league average it was his best year offensively since 2014 yeah I mean he was outstanding for them in 2021 But, man, what a career he had. And I know that we're going to get into the Hall of Fame debates. I I mean, to me, and this is without even diving too far into it, when I think Buster Posey, I think Hall of Famer. He was the face of three World Series teams. He was their best hitter for an extended period of time in the early 2010s. And he did so as a catcher. So, yeah, for me, when I think this generation of catchers, I think Buster Posey and Yadier Molina. And in my mind, that makes you a Hall of Famer. But um, I know there are a lot of people who disagree with that assessment. Well, when you look at the Hall of Fame, you can just you can do it on baseball reference. You call them up and you look at the comparables and you say, wow, should he be in? Well, it's it's becomes tougher for him by not playing next year and beyond. I think if he plays next year and beyond slam dunk, I, I still believe he's going to the Hall of Fame because of the three world titles. Uh, because he's been an MVP, he's won a gold glove. But you look at, like, I'm going to give you some numbers here that are staggering when you talk about the case of Yadi or Molina. Because if Buster Posey goes in, Yadi is guaranteed to go in, which I think he's in already. But Molina has played in 2,146 games. Over 2,100 of those have been as a catcher. Buster Posey has had a total of 1,371 games. 
as a catcher, just over a thousand. So that's a thousand fewer games behind Molina, behind the plate. That's amazing. Yep. I mean, I, I'm not sure people realize that Yachty's played over a thousand more games behind the plate than uh, than Buster Posey. Baseball writers, typically, historically, and the veterans committees that are out there have emphasized longevity which is something to consider with this. Yachty's got the longevity, and this will hurt the case for Buster Posey. I would imagine, even if he had some off years coming up, they'll say, well, he played, though, X amount of years. Um, It's just surprising, especially with the DH coming in, because I felt, look, if you don't want to put him behind the plate, he's taken uh, a beating back there and wear and tear, and he's too important offensively, which he is, because, as you mentioned, best season since 2014. It had been easy to say, yeah, we, we got one of the, the better hitters in the game and we can put him at first. We can put him at DH and he gives us flexibility if we wanted him to be a quote unquote third catcher. If we were in a bind. We could use him as that catcher really gives you a ton of flexibility on your roster. So and as much as they like to do those kind of things going in and out of their lineup, uh, now it becomes limited depending on what direction they go. Yeah, it's going to be tough for them next year. Dan, when you look at, I know you're you're a big Hall of Fame fan and you, you like breaking this stuff down. You know the metric Jaws that has been developed by Jay Jaffe? Yeah. Um, it, for anybody that's not familiar with it, basically it he spits out a number that tells you, hey, what is the likelihood? What is, uh, based on his career, where does he rank among the all-time guys? And he's able to adjust for errors and those sorts of things. So I, and I, I think look at Ward, too. I think he's got the 16th best war of, among catchers in the history of the game. Yeah, and in Jaws, he's 14th. And there's only two guys ahead of him at the catcher position who are not in the Hall of Fame. So of the four, 13 guys in front of him, 11 of them are Hall of Famers. There are also another like five behind him that are in the Hall of Fame. I think he gets in. I don't know if he'll be a first ballot guy. My guess would he be probably isn't. But if you're going to put Yadier Molina in, and I think they will, and they should, I think you put Buster Posey in as well. I think those are the two guys from this era, for me at least, that no doubt deserve to be in. And here's the thing, too. I, I guess we have to get used to not looking at players like we did when we were voting for the Hall of Fame five or ten years ago got to stop looking at it you got to look at the era that they played and the era that he played which was from what 09 08 something like that to now you know he's one of the best if not you can make a case the best at his position best hitting certainly yeah because of the collective player that he was offensively and defensively and the three world championships and bringing those to san francisco uh, is going to mean something. The first they it had there. To. And yeah, there's something to that. That's like when we look at some of these Cubs guys, when it's all said and done, or even when you talk to about them now and you, you give their resume, they say, well, they were per- part of that first Cubs championship. It stands out like a sore thumb in a good way. So to me, that is something that is going to be impactful when you look at the resume of Buster Posey. Yeah, I love how you said that we've got to look at the, uh, these guys a little differently. Like we're not in the HGH slash steroid era any longer. And so the extent the extended careers it's not quite the same like guys just don't play quite as long they don't keep up their productivity as long as they did 15 years ago and there's reasons for that obviously we now know about that uh so a guy like buster posey who had a shorter career not because of injury but out of choice um i'm not gonna dock him for that the same way that i'm not gonna knock a guy who had 10 years of health and then it just fell off a cliff afterwards because that's the natural progression curve nowadays I do think, though, you can use it as a benefit for other guys. A guy like Yadier Molina, 
I'm going to look at him now as a modern Marvel, and I have done that for a little while, but Dan, when you look at what he's done, 18 years now behind the plate catching as often as he did, he has twice as many innings caught in his career as Buster Posey did. He has twice 17, as many. 17,665 innings for Yachty and 9,290 for Posey. It's almost double. And after next year, it probably will be double that of what Buster Posey did. I'm going to use that as a boost for Yachty. Like, I'm not going to knock other guys for not playing as long, but I'm absolutely going to credit the ones who are able to extend their career the way that Yachty or Molina has. So when I look back at this era, somebody on the text line said this great. He said there were two catchers in baseball that set the standard of excellence over the last 12 years. Defensively, it was Yachty or Molina, and offensively, it was Buster Posey. No doubt about it. No brainer. First ballot Hall of Famers for both of them. It's yeah. a great way to put it. If I gave you a blind resume and I just said, okay, here's the resume for this guy. Uh, 12 years in the big leagues, 2000, uh, he won the rookie of the year, won the MVP, seven-time All-Star, three-time world champion. Uh, he's going to finish his career with, I believe, above a 300 batting average in this day and age, which is really saying something. Um, and he's one of two players in the history of baseball to win the rookie of the year, MVP, and three titles, the other being Pete Rose. You would say, that's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's no all there is to it. So, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt he's going to the Hall of Fame. I do think, though, there'll be some voters that will, you know, look at him and go, well, he, you know, he had a chance to play beyond this and didn't do it. And longevity is something I look at. I get it. It's how you want to vote. But uh, I think generally speaking, most people will look at his generation because of that texture and say, yeah, because of that and what he did for over a decade, dominant player at his position, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think sometimes you got to look at it based on their peers, right? And, yep. and I, I, that's why I love what the texter said. When you look at it based on their peers for this era of Major League Baseball, it's one of the two guys that for me is a no doubter at his position. And you've got to have representation for that position, as we have talked about in the past as well. That's BK. I'm Danny Mack. Coming up, we're going to visit with Chip Carey, and he is the voice of the Atlanta Braves. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Still trying to connect with our buddy uh, Chip Carey. Hopefully, we'll get that done uh, before this show is through. There was a long recovery, Dan. uh, A long recovery. Maybe so. (laughs) Maybe so. I don't blame him, I guess. They got a championship on their hands, man. That's right. They're getting ready for the uh, big parade tomorrow. So, uh, yesterday, there was some movement. A little surprising, I guess, to, to see this happen. And it looks like the Reds, as it pertains to the Cardinals, are saying. Hey, we're cutting some payroll because Nicholas Castellanos opted out of his deal this morning. And yesterday they traded away Tucker Barnhart to the Tigers. And this is from their GM, the Reds GM. He said, quote, going into 2022, we must align our payroll to our resources and continue focusing on scouting and developing young talent from within our system. It's going to be more of a wait and see but I don't think we're going to sign players on the free agent market. Reds have already 128 million committed to the books for next season. They had 150 million in 2020. That's when they were going for it. They had Trevor Bauer and and certain guys that they brought in. They brought in Castellanos, Moustakis, others. Reds already started shedding payroll yesterday. So Barnhart was scheduled to make 8 million club option next year. 
He's a good player. I mean, it's a guy that's a two-time gold glover, 22 defensive runs saved over the last five years. It's twice as many as Molina in that uh, same time period and Buster Posey. <clears throat> Last year, he hit 116, hit 247. Uh, I think that's a great pickup, by the way, for Detroit. They're not far away at all. I Like we've talked about, Carlos Correa, I think, is going to be their shortstop moving forward. I just, I don't know. You know, you get him back with A.J. Hinch. They've that never been sense. shy to spend money. They had a better than... Uh, year than they thought uh, going into this season. Matter of fact, I thought they were one of the tougher teams the Cardinals played, which may surprise you. So um, I, I just think, though, as it pertains to the Central Division and the Cardinals, Reds are going to take a major step back, especially if they don't have Castellanos. Yeah, it opens up another window, right? You've got now two teams in the National League Central that have basically signaled to everybody, hey, we're not trying to compete next year. Really, honestly, maybe three. Because the Cubs are in that spot. They've signaled that to everybody. The Pirates just don't compete right now. And the Reds basically told you the same thing yesterday where, hey, we're not going to add. And oh, by the way, we just lost our best hitter to free agency and Nick Castellanos. And we just traded our catcher who defensively is one of the best in the game. So what exactly are you doing here, Reds? Like, what's what's the path forward? There really doesn't seem to be a great one. So if I'm the Cardinals, if I'm in the ownership or the front office right now, I'm looking at this and saying it's a two-team race between us and the Brewers, and there's going to be a lot of wins to be had in our division next year when we're playing basically 60 games against the Reds, Cubs, and Pirates. We're going to need to stack these things up, and we're going to, first of all, have to perform really well against those three teams in particular, but also... How do we make sure that we win our division this year? The lesson to be learned from the Cardinals is pretty simple. Because they didn't win the division, and the Braves did, and the Brewers did, their path was much more difficult in the postseason. So how do we get to that 95-plus win threshold? Well, it's going to take some significant additions in the offseason. So as you look at the Reds, I think this just opens it up even more for the Cardinals to really go for it this offseason. And now with the World Series over, uh, Nick Castellanos opts out of his contract. Oh, I don't know, man. That's a guy that I'd least find out. What are you looking for, Nick? This is such an interesting <clears throat> free agent market. There are so many dudes out there this offseason. More so maybe, Dan, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. It feels like there are more intriguing options specifically for what the Cardinals need this offseason than there have been in a number of years. Because normally I feel like you can kind of target, okay, it's going to be this type of player. And there's like two or three guys that really fit what they need. This offseason, you can name any of like 15 different additions, and I think they all make a lot of sense for this team. So um, then you say, okay, well, where does he play? And I say, I'll find a spot uh, if I get Nick Castellanos, DH, or whatever the case may be. But uh, he's also played a little third base, um, but was moved from third to go to the outfield, and he's serviceable as an outfielder. Not great. He's fine. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, to get that kind of guy in, in your lineup, if he continues to produce the way that he's done the last couple of years, you got something there. I mean, that guy is a stick. Holy smokes. I mean, and, and you, you take him now out of a lineup that had Winker, Castellanos, Votto, uh, Moustakis, man, that that's a big blow right now for the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the best hitters in the sport. That, that's what he is. And you figure out where to put him on the field. And right now, based on the uh, quotes that we've heard from Ali Marmol, it sounds like he's at least willing to be flexible in what they decide to do. Dan, if we're talking free agency, um, the other guy that I've been thinking a lot about in recent days is Trevor Story. Because you know how this works. It's the rhythms of the offseason. We are now into free agency talk. And so you're getting all of the lists of the top 50 free agents that are going to be available. And I've seen one on CBS, The Athletic, ESPN. They've all put them out over the last couple of days. And consistently, Trevor Story is ranked around 15th 
in terms of the best free agents available. And a number of different guys that I've seen break it down have noted that, hey, maybe he's the guy that ends up taking that one-year, two-year pillow deal, the way that Josh Donaldson did, where it's a one-year, maybe $20 million contract to see how he looks outside of Colorado. He had a bad year last year offensively, and defensively it was the same amount of errors this year as he had the last two years combined. So defensively, he also took a step back with that elbow injury he's been dealing with. If he ends up taking the Marcus Simeon type of a deal, oh, where it's yeah, one year, 18 on to $20 million, I can't imagine a better fit. Who's for what the, the guest Cardinals that want. we had on that uh, said, yeah, you know, he's probably looking at $18 million. And I was like, $18 million. Robert, Robert Murray. Yeah. That's who it was, yeah. $18 million said, for that guy? I think he said three years around $18 million mm-hmm. per year. I wonder if he's the type of guy that ends up going with like, hey, I want... I want $20 million in year one, and I want some player options. Just as, you know, in case things go south for me, I want some security here. If I'm the Cardinals, that's exactly the kind of thing that I'd be looking for right now. That guy, given the upside, and if he opts out, great. That means that he had an outstanding year where he knows he can get more on the open market, and you still might end up re-signing him afterwards. But I'm starting to lean towards, I'm kind of, it's the boomerang effect, right? I started there, and now I think I'm ending there. Trevor Story is the one that makes the most sense to me. Well, let me throw this out at you, though. You've, you've got X amount of dollars, so do you say, you know what? We'd be okay with the combination of what we had with Sosa, and and we really like what we saw with Sosa towards the tail end. And Young, you know, being a guy that, uh, see what we got in spring training, and it hasn't been good for the last couple of years, hasn't been the player that we thought when we signed to his, his extension not the guy that was hitting 30 home runs, that combination, are we better off with that or spending the kind of money, $18 million a year, and then you're going to have to move some guys. Obviously, DeYoung would be probably moved. Sosa maybe stays because he's versatile and can play all over the place. But uh, is that something that you look at? It wouldn't be for me. If you can trade DeYoung, I think that's the the route that you go. Uh, the I mentioned this to you the other day, the, the route that I would love to see them try, and I don't know if the A's would be interested or not. That is a, a big-time disclaimer. But if you call the A's and they have some interest in Paul DeYoung, and he seems like the type of player they typically would have interest in, given the team options that he has at the back end of his contract, if they are interested in him and you're able to package one of your young starters with Paul DeYoung for a Sean Manaya who's going to make $10 million next year, Make that deal. There's your starting pitcher at the back end of your rotation. You go get Trevor Story. There's the $30 million. You add maybe one more bench bat and some super cheap relievers. That's how you can allocate all of your resources this offseason. So, I think that makes them a lot better. The Cardinals officially now have seven free agents out there. Luis Garcia, Jay App, Kwang Hung Kim, Wade LeBlanc, John Lester, TJ McFarland, Andrew Miller. A lot of lefties on that list. Well, add another one, too. A left-handed bat, Matt Carpenter. Yeah. That option will not be picked up, and I would assume that uh, Carlos Martinez's option will not be picked up as well. So you're going to have nine guys that I just listed for you. Out of the nine, who do you want to see coming back? Because I got mine. Yeah, I, I mean, Luis Garcia is the one that immediately comes to mind, depending on what the the What do you think that's going to cost like? you, though? I don't know. That's, that's the thing that I just can't peg, because... He was so good for them a year ago, but he has very little track record in recent years right. where it's been good. But they changed. Gets, but they changed him. I know, and you he's know? now going to the the sinker instead yes. of the four seam, and he's locating it. it. I, do you think he gets like five million, or do you think it's below that? I, I don't. I a big don't market have a good team. Gauge I think would him. be willing to go in the the four to five million. I'm not sure anybody else would. That's that's the thing. It, if that's what it takes, maybe I avoid it. But God, was he good for them yes. last year? And Saved if, him. 
If you can't go up to the Luis Garcia market, TJ McFarland, I thought was really good and he should be able to come on the cheap. The peripherals on him are not something that a team is going to pay big money for. He's not a big strikeout guy. Uh, He did have a decent walk rate last year, but he got out of it because of the double plays. Those are probably the top two on your list that I would be interested in bringing back. But I could listen to the argument on Happ or Lester as well. If you end up going the cheap, cheap market on the starting pitching side, who would you want to see? Well, those two for sure. If I can get Garcia and McFarland back, I want him back. Uh, uh, Miller, I'm um, goodbye. Carpenter, Martinez. Um, it was reported yesterday, by the way, I think from Derek Gould, that the, it sounds like KK will not return either. So he is, he's going to stay in. Uh, to the Cardinals. Okay. He might explore other options here in the big leagues, but not with the Cardinals. He it was interesting to me in the fact that if if you could convince him to take a very low-level deal, there's some of your pitching depth that if you had issues with your rotation, I'm, I, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with more arms in that rotation. Didn't like him a lot out of the pen. Uh, I don't think he liked it. I think he wants to be a starter, and if he doesn't get it here, probably goes back home. Um, Wade LeBlanc is another one that is going to come very cheap and uh, gives you an option to, that if you had that spot start, do I want to see him in the rotation? No, I do not. <laughs> um, but I am curious with the the CBA this year, that if they say, okay, it's a 26-man roster, but you only have 12 pitchers, do you have a guy on your rotation, or in your bullpen, I should say, that goes back to being a traditional longman? Can you afford to, to do that? So you got essentially six that are the interchangeable parts and pitch two out of three, three out of five, four out of seven, that kind of thing. But then when you're getting blown out or you need innings, uh, you have that one guy that's kind of in your back pocket. I'd be interested with that. That, to me, would be Wade LeBlanc. Yeah. I I would also be interested in finding out if he'd be willing to take a minor league uh, invite to training or to spring training next year because it seems like that's probably where his career trajectory is headed he's 37 years old right now he had a a solid season last year for the cardinals but it looked like it very well could be tailing off for him before getting here to st louis and then he had the injury at the end of the season as well you add all of that up that has the makings of a non-guaranteed contract to me and that's the perfect kind of deal for a team like the cardinals out of the two hap or lester you want either one back I think I would be more interested in Hap uh, just because it, it seems like there would be a little more flexibility there with him than there would be with Lester. I can't imagine Lester being like, yeah, go ahead, throw me into the bullpen. I, yeah, exactly. I think if you bring yeah. Lester back, he's he's without question. He's in your rotation. Whereas with Hap, if but Alex do you, do you, Reyes, for example, beats him out in spring training and I've got to tell Hap, hey, would you be interested in going to my pen to have maybe that long reliever role that you're talking about? I think it's at least possible that he would accept that role. I don't know if he's at that stage yet in his career, maybe another year. I know. But you see velocity? I know. You see if he is in a bigger ballpark? can have some success. So, yeah, I I think it's on the table, and and potentially that's how you approach him. All right, we'll continue with more on 101 ESPN. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. We're going to visit with Chip Carey and get uh, the thoughts of what's happening down in Atlanta. Very quickly, you you threw out a great question to me. Who are the guys right now that are surefire Hall of Famers? And we were saying from Al- this era, yeah, this era, Albert Pujols, 
I think Max Scherzer, Miguel Cabrera, Mike Trout, Trout. Yeah, that's four. Um, I, I think I, I'd put Yachty in there. I, to me, maybe I'm a homer, but I think he's a surefire Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yachty and and for me, Buster Posey. That's where this conversation kind of stems from. I think David Ortiz will be on that list as well, although there will be some questions certainly asked on that one that are going to be uncomfortable conversations to be had because that's baseball in uh, the 21st century. But I, I think that's probably the list. I think there's a lot of guys that are on that trajectory, like Fernando Tatis Jr. If he has another 15 years of this, very well may could or could be on this list. Same thing for... Um, Juan Soto and Bryce Harper, oh, yeah. but they're they're on the trajectory. They've still got like if their careers ended today, they probably would not be in. Let's uh, say good morning to our buddy. We finally have had the chance to hook up with him, the voice of the Atlanta Braves. Congratulations, Chip Carey. Your team is a World Series champion. Must be a great feeling and a great time right now down in Atlanta. Hey, Danny Mac, good to hear from you. Yeah, the uh, the confetti is flowing like skyline chili in Cincinnati on the banks of the Ohio River. Sure it is. But, uh, everybody's fired up. As Cincinnati. You know, coming here for the Braves. So, yeah, we're excited. And, uh, you know, it's probably the most improbable World Series championship anybody could have imagined. I know you guys had one with an 80-something win season not so long ago, and our, our season kind of took a similar trajectory, and, and here we are holding uh, the Commissioner's Trophy and knocking off the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Astros, which nobody saw coming, so we're really excited about that. I bet, and do, do you feel like, obviously, the trade deadline changed everything for the Braves and remade their lineup and their outfield, but the series in St. Louis, uh, that was a sweep and highly competitive games, but was that kind of a, a turning point for the Braves in, in this great run? Absolutely, because the Braves all year long, Dan, had not been a single game over five hundred until that series. Wow. Think about that. Uh, I think at that time it was Miami, Texas, and the Braves had not spent as much as one day over the five hundred mark. And with that sweep, yeah, they kind of got going. And, and that was sort of a, a precursor. They got over five hundred and and, and got on a roll, and then um, you know a huge road trip to Philadelphia and New York. It was a nine-game uh, road trip. They had two games to make up with the Mets in a five-game series. They won that series. Uh, they split with the Phillies, came home five and four, and, and went back right before the trade deadline within four games of the division lead and knowing that they could play with the Phillies with a totally depleted lineup and the Mets as well. So, uh, yeah, the Cardinals series, huge win because psychologically had to get above that glass ceiling. They did that. And then at the end of the month, that big road trip against their uh, top two rivals that were ahead of them in the division, they didn't bury themselves, and that gave Alex Anthopoulos all the ammunition and reason to say, we can win this thing, and, and you're right, and pulled off those big deals, and all those guys fit in uh, hand to glove, and thankfully uh, thankfully so for the Braves. Chip, what was the moment during the postseason that for you, you knew, okay, this might be a team of destiny that we're watching right now? Was there a first moment in the playoffs when you felt that way? Yeah, when Dansby Swanson threw to Freddie Freeman in the World Series. Right? <laughs> uh, because I, I think it's safe to say if you follow this team all year, uh, adversity should be the A, not Atlanta. Uh, all the things that they went through and had to overcome, you just never felt comfortable because, you know, Will Smith, 40-some-odd saves during the playoffs and regular season, perfect, by the way, in the postseason, uh, but always seemed to have traffic. Uh, one step up, two steps back. You'd get a guy back, two more guys would get hurt. You'd win a game, you'd lose three in a row. You'd get to 500, you'd ping-pong back two or three games above, uh, under 500. It just never seemed like this team could handle any kind of prosperity at all until after the trading deadline. And so... Uh, I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek. For me, 
There were a couple of them. Uh, Freddie Freeman's home run against Hader to win that series uh, against Milwaukee. That was like, oh, my God, you know, this, this isn't supposed to happen. Um, because, remember, Freeman started so poorly in that playoff series. Um, then I think the uh, Jock Peterson big home run against the Dodgers, uh, Jocktober uh, and Pearls and all that uh, craziness that went on down here. Uh, it just seemed like guys found a way to rise to the top. You know, Soler hitting all of his home runs. The Braves out homer the Astros 11-2 in the World Series. Are you kidding me? Uh, it, it just it, Everything just seemed to, to converge. You guys being hockey fans No, you get a hot goaltender in the NHL playoffs, uh, you can go a long way. And that's kind of what happened to the Braves. They just had enough guys get hot at the right time, especially in the bullpen, that they were able to withstand uh, any and all comers, which is kind of the way I, I summed up their year when they won the division and uh, wrapped things up in the East. Chip, I don't know if this had anything to do with it, but uh, the Braves were one of the first teams, correct me if I'm wrong, that went to 100% capacity, and then the the fans came out. So you, you did have uh, that money coming in, and did they feel then more comfortable maybe than other teams of adding payroll? Because I believe it added maybe 10 to $12 million on their payroll um, when this was all said and done with some of the new names that they added. I'm sure that's part of it, Dan. I'm not privy to the financials, but look, Marcelo Zuna was out for half the year. Uh, Darnell was out half the year. I would assume that insurance covered some of those injuries. Ozuna's on administrative leave, still getting paid, but for the time he was on the injured list, uh, I would assume that insurance covered some of that. But to your point, yeah, when they went to full capacity around May the 1st, uh, the Braves took off. I think there were four teams in baseball that went over $4 million in attendance. I think the Braves finished second only to the Dodgers in attendance this year, and you saw how lively truest park was and and not just from a financial standpoint look when the braves played the dodgers last year in the lcs and had the three games to one lead they were playing on neutral turf there were no days off it was you know truly a battle of attrition with 10 or 15 or twenty thousand neutral fans in arlington uh you saw how important home field advantage was and is i think this team fed off our crowd and i think this team and uh, these these fans in atlanta who've waited so long for another championship really got into this team being the underdog. They weren't favored in any of their series with uh, uh, the Brewers, uh, the Dodgers, or even the Astros. Yet somehow, again, uh, they found a way to, to prove all the experts wrong, to convert the doubters, and they're going to have a parade here tomorrow in Atlanta, and it's been 26 years in the making. Chip, you know we flipped the page very quickly in baseball. There's already all of the list of the top free agents in, in this offseason, and one of them on that list, of course, is Freddie Freeman, and he's a career lifer of uh, the Atlanta Braves. He spoke quickly after the game about how much he would like to return to the team. Uh, how, do you expect him to be back next year? Where do you think this ends up going with him this offseason? You know, I, I really thought that it'd be done by now. I, I think anytime you let a player get to free agency or you flirt with it, you're playing with fire. Uh, you know, Freddie grew up in Southern California. He's a, an Orange County kid. Uh, he has a residence there. He's got a residence here. He's already won a World Series championship. I don't know what the numbers are and what the offer is. Obviously, Paul Goldschmidt is a, a really realistic comp. Um, you know, I, I think Freddie's a better player than Paul Goldschmidt, with all due respect to his great talent. Uh, you know, Freddie's got a world title now. Goldschmidt's still looking for his. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to what to think about that. Uh, I can't imagine a world without uh, Freddie Freeman being an Atlanta Brave, but I think a lot of us also couldn't have imagined a world where Tom Glavin was a New York Met. It happened. It does happen. It's a business. And uh, I, I would assume from Freddie's perspective that uh, the price tag has gone nothing but up <laughs> since since uh, the, the, the early days of, of April and May uh, when he was one of the best hitters in, in all of Major League Baseball, not just the National League, and then, of course, all the great work he did in postseason play, too. But, 
Uh, Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves have maintained they want him back. Freddie has said his heart is with the Braves. He's been in this organization since he was 17 years uh, of age. Uh, but until the, the, you know, the ink is dry on the contract, you always wonder if there'll be another suitor out there that offers him uh, the world or offers him an opportunity that he can't pass up. And I thought after he hit that home run against Hader in Milwaukee, that would have been a perfect time to announce uh, the contract, but it hasn't happened. I assume they're still talking, but as I've said so many times, Alex Anthopoulos is uh, really a, a, an agent with the NSA. Everything with him is so top secret. We don't know any parameters or discussions about what's offered or what's not. And uh, when and if uh, a contract has come to uh, an agreement between those two parties, we'll be among the last to know, which is how Alex likes to operate. So we're hopeful that'll take place, obviously, because uh, Freddie's such an integral part of not just our team, but our town. You know, in talking to you uh, for many, many years, and then certainly this year, I, I know your appreciation of Brian Snicker. How, how cool was that for him, a life a lifer in, in the game of baseball and certainly with the Braves to get that uh, world championship? Yeah, Dan, you know, uh, I, I'm really happy for our fans first because, again, it's been so long for them, and they stuck with the Braves through the rebuilds here and, you know, the scandal and all that kind of stuff and came out in force this year. But for Brian Snicker, who sort of personifies the struggles of the Braves franchise over the last, you know, previous years, uh, you know, baseball lifer, 44, 45 years in the organization, demoted unfairly and wrongly, didn't complain about it, went back to work, worked his way back up. And then when Freddie Gonzalez was terminated, he, he took over and really uh, returned us to the Braves' way. Uh, he's a Southern Illinois guy, a Midwestern guy, wears his heart on his sleeve, never gives you a dishonest answer. Uh, manages the media extremely well, manages his players very well, and knows his place in the game. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it just really was serendipitous that Alex Anthopoulos came in with the scandal of John Coppolella and John Hart. They didn't let him go, kept him here, improved the club. They built a camaraderie and friendship and four division titles and now a World Series later. You know, it's the old saying, you know, sometimes the best moves in baseball are the ones you don't make. Uh, if Coppola and Hart had stayed here, Snicker was on his way out. He was not going to be the manager of this team. And with all that had gone on, there was no way the Braves could enter the next season with a new leader in the dugout. And so fate, fortune, talent, uh, perseverance, hard work, and uh, getting us back to the Braves' way all worked in Brian Snicker's favor. And uh, after 45 years, it really was gratifying for all of us dinosaurs who love baseball people first to see him hoist that trophy down in Houston. Chip, there's an old adage from Pat Riley called the disease of more, where when you win a World Series, you win a title in any sport, there are a lot of guys who then hit free agency and they want to get more, more playing time, more money, everything that comes with that championship. Uh, there are a few guys other than Freddie Freeman that are free agents this offseason, speaking specifically of Eddie Rosario and Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler going to hit the market as well. Do you think that the Braves are going to try to keep this band together, or is this something where they, they understand, hey, this offseason, there are other things that we've got to do other than just bringing back our guys? Uh, I think that's always the case. I, I think there's a couple things that play into that BK1. We've got a new CBA that we hope will get done before spring training, uh, and, and what parameters that is uh, going to allow teams to do as far as spending is concerned, free agent compensation, you know, uh, young players and how quickly they get to the major leagues and the like. Secondly, we've got a couple of bigger issues. What's going to be the fate of Marcelo Zuna? He's on administrative leave. Uh, he is not suspended. One would assume that there would be some sort of suspension for his domestic uh, allegations that have taken place. The felony charges for that have been dropped. He's in a pretrial diversion program. There's a hearing for him in January. And once that situation is resolved, then I think the Braves will have a better idea of what punishment, if any, Major League Baseball hands down. If there is none, 
he's going to be probably in your lineup. He's under contract here. And the Braves have been loath to just off, you know, $40, $60 million in salary. They can't afford to do that. Secondly, you've got Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, coming back from ACL surgery. Uh, when is uh, when's he going to come back? The doctors are saying May. Could be June. Could be earlier. We don't know. And then you've got to figure out what to do in center field. Is Adam Duvall going to come back? Uh, there's an option on his contract. So uh, when the Braves this year made three line changes with their outfield, uh, they did that because they had to. Now, even going into next year with the uncertainty regarding how much time Ozuna is going to miss, if any, when Acuna is going to come back and what you do in the center field situation means there are probably three jobs that are at least going to be available for the first month of the season and maybe more, which will obviously not only cloud the decision-making process for Alex and Topolis, but make it more difficult because who do you sign for how long and for how much, knowing that you're going to have at least one of those guys coming back and maybe two. And so, yeah, I'm sure the work for Alex and his staff has already begun in trying to figure out what to do for the Braves outfield in 2022, not to mention back into the rotation, middle infield depth, and, of course, everybody's going to look for more bullpen help. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, Final question for you, Chip. What's your role tomorrow in the parade? What are you doing? Uh, That's a good question. We're having meetings later today. I'm sure I'll have a suit and tie on and out in the battery. We hosted the post-game show on Valley Sports Southeast, which was fun. Uh, Hope we'll be a part of the program inside because they're they're not selling tickets. It's an open event. I know that uh, your two favorites, Ludacris and Big Boy, know they're on your playlist. They're going to have a post-event concert. Excellent. I'll have them give you uh, you guys a shout-out. BK and Danny Mack, I know big Braves fans up in St. Louis. And then we'll have... Big Luda uh, fans, of course. Well, of course, it's uh, number one on your list. Same with me. Um, but uh, yeah, big celebration. Weather's supposed to be good. And as I said, this one's uh, been a long time in coming. And uh, just to be a part of it in any way, shape, or form as an independent contractor on TV uh, will be a whole lot of fun. So looking forward to that for sure. Thank you, Chip. Danny, BK, <laughs> all the best. Hope to see you guys soon. <laughs> you bet. The great uh, Chip Carey. Think Lil on, John uh, makes an appearance? What's that? Lil John, do you think he makes an appearance? I'm He's not an sure. Guy, I think. Is he? I think so. How about Gucci? that? Is Open event, huh? Uh, you going to head down maybe there? Maybe Jeezy? Maybe we could go down there and uh, take it all in. I think we could make that happen. Boy, he's a beauty, isn't he? Skyline chili, like the confetti, flowing down the Ohio. All right, that's the great Chip Carey. Cramming more St. Louis sports talk into your brain. It's the Danny Mac Show with PK on 101 ESPN. All right, let's cross it over. BK's coming up with Alex. Again, we have Blues Hockey tonight on both Valley Sports and right here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game on the radio side, 8.30, uh, 9 o'clock on the television side, and it's the Blues and Sharks. Both teams been hit with COVID, so we'll see which goaltender starts tonight for the Blues. I'm curious about that, and uh, should be an interesting game against the Sharks. Yeah, I'm very curious to see who they decide to go with, especially after the three-on-three overtime and the shootout last night. I would imagine if ever there was a spot where you were going to go to Hope, for this is it yeah but he's a young guy who has not had these opportunities before do you trust him in in a big one on the road this is this is a big question for him but i, I think they end up going that direction who's coming my up guess. Who, uh, who's coming up on your program yeah we've got ben albright he's an nfl insider if you've seen any of the reports on twitter about the nfl relocation lawsuit in st louis you've probably seen seen ben albright's name connected to it uh he's super tied in with the ownership group so i want to ask him about where we're at with this and where he thinks we're at 
with the potential of St. Louis being offered an expansion team. He will join us coming up at 1130. Joey Vitale, the Blues analyst for the Blues Radio Network at 1215. And we will open things up with that game from last night. Blues get a point, couldn't find a way to get the win. And where did the five on five offense go for this team? We'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow at uh, seven. I'm on the early show tomorrow with Michelle right here on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.